one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Today we have a crazy revenge story of getting a childhood home demolished. We'll get into that in a bit, but first, I got my student expelled. I watched as a tiny black drop of ink fell onto my desk. It only took a millisecond for the remaining contents of the gigantic jar to spill onto my books, splatter onto my dress, pour onto the floor, and leave me with my mouth hanging open. I wasn't new to the harmless pranks. Working with teenagers had long given me more than enough experience with this. I just hadn't expected to have fallen victim to their foolish jokes on a public holiday a day when they weren't even expected to be in school. But this was the straw that broke the camel's back. I was the camel, and it was finally time to deal with those pimple-faced nitwits. I'd always dreamed of becoming an educationist. I had a noble interest to impact the younger generations and help nurture their talents. I had the most impressionable teachers while growing, and I wanted to do for others what they'd done for me. So I pursued the career line. My intentions were quite pure, And at the young age of 23, for teachers that's quite young, I was given the privilege to be a substitute teacher for a high school. But not even my degree in child psychology or professional instruction classes could prepare me for those monsters. When you're new to a set of people or dealing with new faces, you treat them with polite uncertainty. But I showered these kids with love and kindness because I really do love kids. And that was where I made a huge mistake. They saw my kindness as weakness and fragility, and they took it as an opportunity to misbehave. I started my first day with a gigantic smile on my face and get-to-know-you cards for all 23 of them. They sat watching me with hawk eyes looking out for my weak parts to feast on. I didn't realize that I was supposed to build defenses with children too. I mean, I was a really good kid. My teachers were good to me and I reciprocated the goodness, so I reckoned that it'd be almost a similar experience. Maybe I expected the odd child here and there, but not a majority of rascals. Little did I know I'd walked into a class of rebels and pranksters. The head teacher had walked me into the classroom and introduced me to the class. Good day, welcome to the 10th grade, they chorused, murmured. Hey guys, I'd beamed. It's so exciting to be here. I'll be your classroom instructor, at least for now. Silence. That hadn't surprised me. They were probably just shy or something. How could anyone respond to a greeting anyway? I'll be off now, the head teacher said from the doorway. Be careful with these kids, they can be a handful. Something like worry flicked across his face, but almost immediately, his brows relaxed. He regained his emotion-free expression. That should have been enough of a warning to me, but I dismissed it as fast as it had come. I turned toward the children with a broad grin on my face. If it isn't clear, I'm delighted to be your teacher. First, I'd like to get to know you all, so here are some cards. Fill them out and return them to me. I handed out the cards and watched them read through the questions. They were basic questions that were supposed to make instructing them better. Tell me your name, write out your favorite subjects, write out your least favorite too. What qualities do you appreciate in a teacher? Are there any topics you've treated that you'd like me to retake? Anything else you'd like me to know? Those types of questions. 
I'd noticed a small brunette bent over her paper with a frown on her face like she was having some difficulty with understanding the questions. After some minutes, she still hadn't written down anything. To help her and anyone else who couldn't answer the questions, I asked, Please, can anyone who's done filling the card and feels comfortable enough sharing with the class step forward? Some curly-haired kid stood up and I asked him to read out his answers. A terrible mistake. My head snapped back to his face when I heard him say that he wanted me to know that he was into older women. What? He'd actually said that? The whole class burst into laughter and he swaggered back to his seat with a proud smile on his face. I watched in horror as the kids who'd written sensible answers decided that they weren't funny enough or gathered the courage to change their answers into rude comments. The brunette had also began furiously writing. I sighed. This was not how I wanted my first day to go. I cleared my throat loudly and they actually stopped laughing, but you could still see the glimmer of humor in their eyes. I went around and picked up the papers and stuffed them into my bag. I'd deal with them later. I had to get the class under control. I got out the class scheme I'd prepared and started to teach them history till the break bell rang. I let out a relieved sigh and sat down. I hadn't properly interacted with the children the way I'd wanted to. I had to start afresh. It was still my first day, I could make a better impression. I remembered the box of Bakewell tarts I'd brought to give them at the end of the day, and I decided to distribute them then as a peace offering. I didn't even have enough time to rethink whether to share it then as they just had lunch because just then the end of the break bell rang and they started trickling into the classroom. I waited till everyone had entered into the class and I started. I wanted to have an actual conversation with them but most of them weren't responding. They weren't even really listening to me. They were just greedily munching on the tarts. I was absolutely annoyed but I held back my anger and started to teach what was required of me. I returned home that day feeling defeated. I had a long bath and a nice meal to cheer myself up. Then I had the bright idea of reading through the cards that were still at the bottom of my bag. Horrible mistake. They were either full of nonsense or absolutely indifferent. Someone thought I needed to know that there was something called a razor for my mustache. I certainly didn't have a mustache. Someone's favorite subject was sex education eye roll that wasn't even properly a subject. Someone needed to know where I got my shoes from. Someone didn't like the teacher being extra by asking personal questions. Sigh. There was one cute card, however. The person answered all the questions properly and made it really easy for me to already get a scope of the person's progress. The person liked teachers that pushed them academically and was available emotionally. Nice. And the person wanted me to know that they were quite shy but would love to get to know me. This card made me forgive all the others. They weren't monsters. They were just under a lot of peer pressure. Still, I wasn't really looking forward to going to school the next day. I got into class the next day and met a couple of early birds. They were mostly guys, including the curly-haired one from yesterday's joke. I greeted them with a smile and slipped into my desk. Then, I saw a little red box beside my stack of books. There was a note attached to it. To our lovely new teacher, we're excited to have you. My heart warmed at that. I really should never think ill of children. They were angels, I thought, as I reached out for the box. I opened up the box, and I withdrew that thought immediately. Angels? More like nightmares. As soon as I'd opened the box, a furry animal had jumped onto me and I screamed. I thought it was an actual animal at first, and I frantically threw it miles away from me. Then my eyes caught the metallic gleam of the spring in the box. 
Ugh, it was a stuffed animal. That was when I finally regained proper consciousness and I could hear the boys hooting and howling with laughter. I calmly put the books I'd pushed down back onto my table. I wasn't going to let them get to me. Like the old saying goes, kill them with kindness. That was what I was going to do. I had to be the mature one. Sadly, it hurt to be the mature one. No matter how much I tried to reason with them, they weren't willing to stop. It was either they set up one nasty prank or the other, or they were just plain rude. And the curly-headed dude who turned out to be called Alex was always the ringleader. I refused to let their parents or the head teacher get involved because I felt like it'd make me feel less competent. But they were pushing me, and they were making it really difficult for me to work properly. I hated going to work in the mornings, and all I could think about when they got to me was my bed at home. There was one girl who was an absolute delight. Talia, the small brunette I mentioned at the beginning of the story, she was the one who'd written the cute card, and she was the perfect student. She was always hungry for knowledge, and she never caused any trouble. She was really pretty too, and she told me all about her crush on a senior. Anyways, work became a torment for me, and the only person that made it bearable for me was Talia. I made up my mind that I couldn't take any more of the chaos when they made ink splatter off. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Storytime is sponsored by BetterHelp. Nearly everyone at some point in their life will struggle with their mental health, whether that's something stressful at work, in a personal relationship, or something else. I know that I really struggled with anxiety in my early 20s and therapy was a massive help for me. That's why I'm a massive fan of therapy and today's sponsor, BetterHelp. If there is anything in your life, big or small, that is negatively affecting you, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. It's an online therapy service that after finishing a small questionnaire will match you with a licensed therapist where you can book appointments that match up with your schedule at any place or any time. And if you feel like you're not bonding with your therapist, you can switch at any point for free. Also, therapy isn't just if you're struggling with mental health. If you're looking for guidance or ways to improve your social skills, life, or relationships, it's a great judgment-free way of doing that. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com StorytimePod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash StorytimePod. All over my table. It was a public holiday like I mentioned before, and I have no idea how they got into the school or when they set up their trap. I needed to get something I'd written during a sudden flash of inspiration the day before. I wanted to enter it into an article competition a local newspaper was holding, and they destroyed every single thing on my paper with thick black ink. Any writer knows that the absolute worst feeling is having to rewrite something you've already written a second time because the original copy had an accident. I couldn't control the tears rolling down my cheek or the anger that rose in my chest. Those kids needed a lesson, and I was going to give it to them. I didn't even smile the next day when school resumed. 
I was a lion waiting for my prey to step out of line so I could capture it. I was waiting very expectantly, and it was going to surprise them when I acted. That afternoon, I saw Alex taking a bit too long at his locker before he went out for break, so I decided to investigate. After he left the classroom, I went to his bag. I know I wasn't supposed to have done that, but anger had gotten the better part of me, and it was good that I'd searched his bag, because right there, sitting like it was rightfully supposed to be there, was a bag of white powder. I knew what it was from the color and the texture. God, he must have been high. And this probably wasn't the first time. I'm not too proud of what I did next. I grabbed his bag, went into the cafeteria, dragged a very confused-looking Alex by his ear, and pulled him into the principal's office. The whole school management was furious, and I proposed that he should be expelled. They all agreed to it. I know I could have done better and tried to help him out, but I couldn't help it. As I watched him pack his bags and cower while his parents yelled at him, I felt satisfied. I mean, I think there's still a part of me that feels bad for this kid, this kid getting yelled at by their parents. Maybe that's part of the reason why they're even into that stuff to begin with. Overall though, it's experiences like this that teachers have to go through on the daily that really make you understand why people say teachers are not paid enough. That said, our next story is, best friends turn rivals turn enemies. In this life, I guess one of the most important things I've come to realize is that one should always try to be honest, in whatever scenario is presented. And I'm not just saying this for the sake of anything else, but because there was a certain incident that occurred that involved my entire family, right from my parents to my siblings, and even to some of my other relatives. The story I'm about to share with you affected my family in particular, as my other relatives only incurred some minor financial setbacks. I would like to take you to the very beginning of my story, so as to provide a clearer perspective for you all. My names are Nathan O'Brien Jr., the first and only son of my father. I have two younger siblings, girls, I've just recently completed and acquired my college degree, as I'd finished my major in medicine and pharmacology. Being the firstborn son of my father, I've always been saddled with a whole lot of responsibilities, as I was always made aware by him that, in the event of his absence, I was the man of the house, and I was supposed to act like it. So right from my high school days, I've always engaged myself in working part-time work from time to time, all so I could be able to become independent from my parents as quickly as I could. Because I could tell that at that age, it was already beginning to become a hassle for my parents taking care of me, as I was already growing as a man. I cannot say that I've been doing the part-time job search on my own, as I was backed by my one and only best friend, Matthew. We had been best buddies ever since we were both little, as he would on most occasions visit my home on special days or during the holidays, and sometimes I would visit his. Through Matthew and I, both our parents came to become close friends too, as they were in our place even more times than we were in theirs. Being as close as we'd been since our childhood, Matthew and I were practically inseparable, as neither of us were present without the other. Even in school, we were always together, and we were sometimes teased as the homosexual couple of the school, seeing as the times were quite a while back, the use of the term gays was not really generally accepted back then. Anyways, following my search for a part-time job, Matthew decided to help me out, as he too would like to join me in my journey on becoming independent from my parents. So most days after school, we would both leave on our job search, as we'd always wanted to cover more ground and search for someone to hire us. It was quite tiresome, and it took a while, but we soon found a restaurant that was willing to accept the both of us as part-timers. 
This was the first step I'd taken in becoming independent from my parents. However, little did I know that this was the moment everything would take an unexpected turn, and not for the better. We resumed the following week after being accepted, and we were immediately put on kitchen duty, as we were told that he who was outstanding of the both of us was going to receive a promotion from kitchen duty to reception and then to the counter. And we were also told that depending on how diligently we worked, it would reflect greatly on our pay slips. I was really motivated as I thought it was best we both made the best out of our situation. Little did I know that this was not how Matthew felt, and back then, I had literally no idea about this. Anyways, we got to work on the days we had next to nothing to do in school as we went straight to the restaurant and worked from the time we got there which was usually by 12am and we would be there for a few minutes past 8pm before retiring for the evening and heading home. Apparently I was the only one motivated by the promotions that was awaiting us when they would notice the hard work we were doing but Matthew on the other hand was a bit contented with his current position in the kitchen as he didn't want extra work for himself which I respected but the moment I was set up for a promotion and my wages were increased slightly higher than his This was where it all began. He noticed this and his attitude towards me began to switch up. On some occasions, he would get angry at me for no reason and on other occasions, he would just straight up ignore me. This went on for quite a while and when I confronted him about this, he just simply said he thought I was trying to overshadow him as he thought I wanted everything for myself. I guess I wasn't in the correct state of mind because right after that, I flared up when the argument got heated and I said some things I shouldn't have. But I immediately apologized. I guess it wasn't enough as we both didn't speak to each other for quite some time. And by this I mean even after I quit the job and even after college, he still held the grudge. And I soon found out after he did something terribly uncalled for and I just could not sit for it. I just had to pay him back in his own coin. Right after our argument, I quit the job and focused on school and getting a scholarship for my college, and once I'd done that and gotten accepted in the school, I left immediately as I didn't want to be anywhere in the neighborhood again. My time in college sure flew pretty fast, even taking into consideration the fact that I spent close to 6-7 to years, it still seemed like it was just yesterday. I was admitted and I left home, because ever since then I'd only visited home 4 times in the span of 7 years that I was away. I guess I was just too focused on school and everything, but right after graduating from medical school, I decided I wanted to experience the things I did not have the time for while I was doing my medical residency. And I must say, obtaining my degree deprived me of a lot of things, one of them being a partner, as I'd always thought having a partner in one's life was some sort of a distraction, and I couldn't afford any at the time. But when I was done, I finally had the time for one, and I guess when the time is right, the right person would present herself in the right place at the right time. As I met Eunice in the cafeteria of the hospital I had my residency in. She was also having her residency in the same hospital, but in a different field as she was a pediatrician. We got along pretty fast, and in no less than two months after meeting her, we both knew that we were right for each other. I guess it was because we understood each other. Everything was perfect. Until something happened that has led me to tell you this story. The hospital had hired an external supervisor from the state, sent to monitor and regulate the activities of interns and residents in each hospital, in each province, and to my greatest surprise, this was when I met Matthew again, for the first time in almost 10 years. 
I was literally awestruck when I found out that he was going to be one of the individuals conducting the supervision. I literally had nothing on my mind except to talk to him, as it had really been quite a while since I either saw or heard from him. The supervision was supposed to take place across the span of two weeks, starting from the coming week, and since the state had provided living accommodations for each and every one of them, I just had the thought of contacting him and inviting him over to my place for lunch or dinner sometime. I guess you could say he did not take seeing me after all these years, as pleasantly as I did, as when I went to meet him, he gave me this cold stare. The same one a person of higher power and societal status would look at one of meager or powerless status. It really hurt to see someone I'd once considered my brother give me such a stare. I could not sleep properly for the next few days as I just could not get the stare out of my mind, and the next thing I could think of was to ask Eunice for her help, as I didn't know what to do and she just simply told me to talk to him. Taking into consideration the fact that I decided to up and leave one day and I never once called a check on him, she made me know that he was most definitely hurting, and I understood. I soon grasped what it was that she wanted me to do and I got to it immediately. I invited him to have early morning coffee, as I was hoping we could at least talk for a little bit right before my shift that day, and surprisingly he accepted and we met the next morning. The air was quite stale, as I didn't know what to say. I soon summoned the courage to say what I really wanted to say, and it honestly took quite a lot for me, but I did it anyways. And right after this, he just nodded in positivity, as he said he'd forgiven me for everything, to which I thought everything was cool between us. Little did I know he still had something in mind he wanted to do to me, as the following week after our supervision, he sent a letter to the hospital's board saying after supervision, he did not think I was capable of carrying out my duties as I do not have the proper mindset and focus required of a medical practitioner in my field. I was soon summoned before the board and I was put on a week's probation, and if there were no visible changes after this time, the hospital was going to let me go. I just could not understand what was going on, as I know for a fact I was one of the best amongst my peers. I tried to approach Matthew, as he was the one in charge of my supervision, as to why the report on my work came out as so. In the meantime, I was on the phone with Eunice, as I was still complaining to her, right before I saw Matthew. I think I forgot to hang up, as when I was talking to Matthew, he admitted to falsifying the report, as he felt like it was his way to get me back after all these years. I felt disappointed in him and how low he could stoop. I threatened to report him to the board, but he insisted I went ahead with it, as I had no proof. I was really lost and I didn't know what to do as my job and career was in literal trouble. But thankfully, Eunice, while overhearing our conversation, decided to record the call. And she gave the recording to me to use as evidence against him. I was really happy when she gave me this, that I became unprofessional at work just this once and kissed her. I soon ran to the chief of staff and reported with evidence who took it up to the medical board and from there I was let off probation and with immediate effect Matthew was relieved of his duty and he was told to give me a proper physical apology and while he was doing so I looked him in the eye and said to him you got what you deserved. I'm seriously disappointed in you. I did not believe you would stoop so low and he glared at me as he walked away. That was seriously the last time I ever saw him. As long as where you live is a one-party consent state, I've heard a number of people who say they actually record pretty much all of their phone calls. It's probably a little extra to do, but 
you never know when it might help you out, especially if you have anything going on with coworkers or your job in general. It all kind of just circles back to the idea of covering your butt like most people do with retaining emails and documents and things. Kind of the same thing as can you put that in writing. Our next story is, I got my ex-husband's childhood home demolished. My ex-husband and I got married pretty early to the annoyance of his overprotective sisters. I used to think that a man who had so much love and respect for his sisters would make a great husband, but he was the most abusive, narcissistic man I have met to this day. When we met through my late best friend who was his cousin, on that day, I rode my bike to her house and saw a boy in her room with another girl, who I later found out was his immediate older sister. They were both helping their best friend braid their hair. I thought it was cute that a guy was helping his cousin out with something like that. I didn't have any brothers, and my dad was barely ever home, and even when he was, I never saw him do something like that for my mom or my sister and me. It was refreshing to see a guy do that, and it warmed my heart from the beginning. I may have even imagined being his girlfriend and him helping me to loosen my braids. After my best friend introduced us, I caught him stealing glances at me as he braided her hair, and from that moment, I knew we were going to be together. Unlike Guy, who had been in two relationships before my ex at the time, I was his first girlfriend. His sisters were nearly indifferent about me at first. They weren't friendly, but they weren't hostile either. As soon as their brother proposed, they began to show me so much animosity, and they did it so openly too. My boyfriend proposed just after he graduated high school, and while his mom had little issues with his decision, his sisters were, for reasons I never understood, very pissed. My parents didn't care about me accepting his proposal. As far as they knew, I was no longer their responsibility since I was an adult and they could finally get a divorce and be free from each other. My sister and I were never close, so I never even got to know what she thought of me getting married. I got a job at a local drugstore and moved in with my ex and his family after a very small wedding with only our mothers in attendance. Marrying my ex was the worst mistake I ever made. His sisters were bullies and he was emotionally abusive towards me and even hit me once toward the end of our marriage. I wasn't from a comfortable family, my parents weren't rich, but my ex's mother was comfortable. She owned a small restaurant in town and her business was doing quite well. While my ex-mother-in-law was quite a decent woman, her children weren't. Her daughters ganged up on me all the time and would hurl insults at me while their brother watched. Their brother, my ex-husband, would call me average and point out my overbite all the time. I know I settled. Don't make me regret it, he'd say to me. He was handsome and he knew it. Everyone knew it and they didn't think someone like me deserved a handsome guy like him, especially his sisters. I caught my ex cheating on me a total of six times in our marriage of three years. I decided I was going to leave him when he hit me when I was pregnant. We got into an argument about a girl he was seeing and I told him I was going to confront her, which I did. He told her he was married and she apologized to me. I didn't angrily confront her or anything. I knew there was no way she'd know he was married. My ex was just 22 at the time. No one would think someone that young had a wife. That evening, my ex returned from work and asked why I confronted her. I was going to tell him that I wanted her to know he was married, and he slapped me. I held my face in my hands for 30 minutes, unable to believe what had happened. He left the house and didn't return that night. I told his mom that I was going to go to the police and report him for hitting me. She begged me in tears not to ruin her son's future, but his sisters mocked and dared me to go to the police. One of them even mentioned that they'd tell the police that I often hit myself and blamed my husband. When they said that, 
I just knew that my time in that marriage and house was up. They not only didn't like me, but they hated me. I left a month later and never looked back. Even though I was relieved to have left the marriage, I was glad that I had my unborn child. I looked forward to her birth and wanted that to be compensation for all I went through. Sadly, I suffered a stillbirth and my doctor blamed it on the emotional stress I went through both when I lived with my ex and his family and after I moved out of their home. Of course, I wanted revenge on my ex and his sisters, but there was only so much I could do as a young woman trying to find her feet and start all over again. Two years after I left my ex, I met my current husband and he was the sweetest man ever. People say that you know from the first day of meeting someone if you're going to be with them for a long time, and that was how it was for my husband and me. I knew on the evening of the day I met him that I wanted to be with him for the rest of my life. He was just different from the three other men I'd been with. A good kind of difference. When I met my husband, I decided that I was going to start afresh. I wasn't going to tell him about my ex or what had happened between us. I just wanted a fresh start. I did tell him though that I used to be married and that I left my marriage because my ex was emotionally abusive. My husband worked with a real estate development company that was all about taking down everything old and building new stuff. Now, my husband had to leave the company eventually because his boss was so fixated on tearing the entire world down and executing this dream of a big capitalist city. But at that time, my boyfriend was desperate to impress his boss. He wanted a bright new idea, something that would earn him a promotion, a raise, and his boss's respect. I finally gave my husband the full details of my abusive ex-husband when one day, I saw a picture of the house my ex used to live in in one of the work files he brought home with him. The owners of the house had to sell it. Their mother was ill and they had to borrow a lot of money to settle the bills. When she died, they decided to sell the house. That was the only way to pay their debts. I said, my goodness, she's dead? My husband shot me a confused look. It was at that time that I told him about everything that had happened in my previous marriage. Coincidentally, my late best friend's sister had asked me to visit her sister's grave with her, and I happily joined in. On the drive to the graveyard, she asked if my ex-husband and I were on good terms. I didn't want to start anything given that we were going to a graveyard and it was a solemn outing, so I told her that my ex and I hadn't spoken in a long time, but that I wished him well and all of that. She said, oh, they're all doing okay now. At least everyone had a job, she chuckled. All they care about right now is buying back their mother's home. The house meant a lot to them, you know. I nodded as if I cared about whatever meant anything to their devilish family. Yeah, they have a lot of memories in that house, I said, remembering the memories I had of that house. She said, exactly. They want to buy it back so his oldest sister can move in with her son and the others can visit whenever they want. I smiled. That's a brilliant idea. After that visit, I just knew what I had to do. I was going to come up with an idea that would not just help my husband get a promotion, but would also hurt my ex-husband and his sisters. When I got home that day, I asked my husband if he'd come up with any ideas for his boss's dream, and he shared some with me. You know, I thought of something. How about an indoor playground? What? My husband looked at me like I'd grown horns. I said, well, yeah, it's going to be a park, but an indoor one. He said, no way, the whole idea of a park is for kids to be able to play outside. I said, look, it's a fresh idea, and it will fit into your boss's dream for innovation. Just have to find a perfect location, such as a place at the entrance of a suburban area, and that's it. You'll have parents bringing their kids in for a fun time. 
I didn't care if my husband liked my plan or not. If he wasn't sold on that one, I was going to sell him another idea and many other ideas as long as it would mean that my ex and his family would never get their home back. Honey, I'll bring that up in my next meeting with my boss, but that will of course be after I lay down my first bright idea. I smiled. If my impression of my husband's boss was right, he would love my indoor playground idea. My husband's ideas were good, but were going to be a bit too traditional and old school for his boss. I wanted to hurt my ex and his sisters and I wanted them to know it was I who did it. They underestimated me for so long and thought me as nothing. Before I left their brother, I told them I was going to leave and he laughed in my face. When his eldest sister, who lived with them, returned from picking her child up from daycare, he told her that I said I was leaving and she laughed too. Even after I left, she called me and ordered me to stop all this silliness and return home. She then asked me what man would want a pregnant woman. I'm never getting back together with him, I told her. You are such a clown, she said and hung up. As I thought of all that had happened, it strengthened my resolve to make sure they never got their home back. That evening, my husband returned home with the best news ever. His boss liked the idea of an indoor playground. We're going to use the house at the edge of the street, the one that belonged to your ex's family. Oh, I said casually as though I didn't have it all planned out. I'm sure they'd want that to happen anyway. They must have attached a lot of negative emotions to that house, given their mother's illness. That's true, he nodded. She was a nice woman, you know. The only one who was nice to me in that house. About a month later, my husband's overzealous boss had the house demolished. I had my late best friend's sister send me the numbers of my ex and each of his sisters. Then I figured out their address, took pictures of their demolished house and signed it. I did that with my name boldly written on it. I still feel good when I think about it. It's a classic textbook case of projection going on here. OP said, I'm sure they have a lot of negative emotions attached to that house. Well, it turns out the only person with negative emotions is the one that managed to get it torn down. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another absolutely crazy story of revenge, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories.